Blog Talk Radio. The phone work, no, the phone's fine. It's just that, that Facebook, I can't get on Facebook Live. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Once again, we experienced a little technical difficulty getting on, um, but we're here, and I'm going to ask you right away to let one of your friends know, let, let somebody know that you're in Bible study and that 
that they can join you right now in study. We are in Acts chapter 16 tonight, and last week we finished off uh, 15 and started into 16. Last week we talked about um, the separation between uh, that happened between Barnabas and Paul and the importance of agreeing to disagree. We also have, hey, Manolo, how you doing? And also we talked a little bit about um, the circumcision, why it was necessary to, to uh, circumcise Timothy. Uh, we're on the second missionary journey, and so we need to make sure that we continue in that flow, that we, that we uh, continue to understand where we are. Now, last week again, we went through Asia uh, or Turkey. We traveled north to Turkey, and we got to a point where Paul, Paul wanted to turn back south so he could go to Ephesus, which was a major city. And, um, but something happens along the way, and he gets a different direction. And so that's where we want to go to tonight. Um, we we want to go there in chapter 16. But before we even get started, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. God, how we bless you. God, how we praise you. Oh, Lord, we magnify your name. Because you are good and your mercy endures forever. Tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you for the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for perseverance. God, how we continue to be prompted by your spirit to continue. We bless you. Now lead us and guide us tonight. Lead us into all truth. Help us make this a reality, this word that we're learning. God, we just don't want to be a a people that know a whole lot about your word and a whole lot about you. Because your word reminds us that knowledge puffs us up. But, Lord, help us to execute your word in faith, to obey you, to follow you in your word. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, we're going to go and we're going to begin at, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And they went through the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysa, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
couple things that we want to go through here. Number one, if you look on your Bible maps, you'll see where they are. They're in the northern part of Turkey, and they get up to a point where um, they say, okay, this is about as far north as we can go, um, so we want to go back and we want to go south. As they're going south, they're going back down into what's known as what they knew as Asia, but now is a part of Turkey. And if, the best way for me to describe it to you, if you're not looking at a map, is they, they're going into the westernmost portion of Turkey uh, that borders one of the uh, sea inlets. And they're getting ready to go there, and, and the Holy Spirit says, not that way. And I think it's important for us to, to recognize that Paul, Silas, um, and, and all the other missionaries that are out there are not moving on their own. They're not just traveling about willy-nilly. You see, when you are a praying person, when you are a worded person, you recognize that the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And that it's the Lord who will lead you in and out of every situation simply because you are his ambassador and you are going where he wants you to go. That's if you are surrendered to him. That's if you are in prayer and listening to what he has to say. That's if you're in your word and are being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, why do, you, why do you put all those caveats on there? The reason why I put those on there is because sometimes we move by our flesh. We are moved by our flesh. And we say, oh, that looks like a good place to go, or that looks like a fruitful field to serve in, or that looks like something that I could really get into and I could really flourish in. And, and we never bother to consult God. You know, uh, Earlier today, in, in, my, um, in the daily appointments that we do, we have a, um, another series that we do uh, Monday through Friday called Daily Appointments with the Lord. And in that book, we're studying the book of Joshua. And one of the things that, that the Lord told Joshua to do was to follow his word. And he gives him, and there were some covenant things that, he, that Joshua was supposed to do. Well, in, I believe it's chapter 7, um, they, Joshua and, the, and Israel get kind of out of pocket. They start to do their own thing because they see they've, they've just taken over Jericho. They've just run and destroyed Jericho. And so Joshua sends these spies out, and they spy out Ai, which is uh, you know, not that far away from Jericho. And the men come back and say, oh, this is something easy. We could do this. It's not going to take all of us to do this. Uh, send about two, 3,000 of us down there. We can wipe them out. Well, they don't realize that they're not following God's plan. As a matter of fact, uh, because, and you probably know the story, because there's sin in the camp, that they have been devoted to destruction. Because that's a part of the covenant agreement, that if you do what I say do, I bless you. If you don't abide in the covenant and don't abide in my word, then you're cursed and you're going to take and run tail. Well, because they didn't follow God and because they didn't follow his word, they got whooped. And in getting whooped, 
Joshua is going to go back to God and say, look at what you did to us. Well, so many times in ministry, we don't follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We don't consult the Holy Spirit. We get, we get this I got it attitude, I know what I'm doing kind of thing. And so subsequently, we go off on our own. We follow our flesh. And it's because we are not, we're not properly connected in the Spirit. We haven't prayed. And we, we haven't considered what Jesus said, if ye abide in me and my word abides in you. We don't think about that at all, They're about fruit, how we can be fruitful only when we are abiding in him. Well, fortunately, Paul is abiding in, in Christ, and the Holy Spirit tells him, no, you're not going that way. I want you to go another way. So let's keep going. So setting sail from Troas. Now, they're up in the northern part of Troas, and what they do is they sail across that little, that little gap that you see, and they go over into what, what they call Macedonia, which is now modern-day Greece. It's northern Greece. So they go over into Greece. And that should tell you something. See how, see how the Holy Spirit's orchestrating this thing? Who do they have with them? They have Timothy with them. And what is Timothy? Timothy is a Greek. And what does he, and what, being a Greek, guess what he's going to be able to do? He's going to be able to not only know all of the customs, but he'll also be able to speak the language even better than Paul and Silas. So now they've got, they're equipped, they're better equipped. Now, did John Mark know Greek? He probably did, but John Mark was a Jew. So now they've got this Greek-speaking Jew to take, to, that, who will accompany them into Greece. Okay, now, let's keep going. So setting sail, I'm at verse 11, by the way. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So, here now, we get to Lydia, and Lydia is what's known as a seller of purple. She's a business person, and in being a business person, what she does is she um she is going she fears God, and and when they when Paul finds her down by the river, and she's down there for a prayer meeting. When Paul finds her down there. 
what she does is she hears the word, God opens her heart, and she receives Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Now, what's, what's, what do we learn here? First of all, it's the Holy Spirit at work again. And what's he doing here? He opens up our heart, and in opening up Lydia's heart, he opens up provision for Paul and Silas. Because what we get a chance to see here is we get a chance to see um, hospitality, the hospitality of this woman. We get a chance to see her as she immediately opens up her household and welcomes in Paul and Silas by saying, if you judge me worthy, come stay with me. Now, what, what, what is all this meaning? What is all this saying? What is all this saying? Well, first of all, it, tells, uh, it, it points us toward how uh, the apostles and people on mission were supported back in those days. You see, the mission could not have happened if there were not folk who were willing to open up their homes and open up their resources for the use of the apostles, for those who were coming. Hospitality was a thing that they practiced back in those days. It was expected that when a stranger came to town, that someone would open up their, their homes for them if they didn't have the money. What does this mean to us today? Let me, let me, let me do some celebrating real quick. I want to celebrate all you Lydia's out there. Male and female Lydia's, I want to celebrate you. Why do I want to, what, what do you mean? I want to celebrate all of you who are supporting the efforts of missionaries, evangelists, your pastors, people who are out there bringing the gospel. There's a number of us who are what we refer to as tent makers, but there's there's others who are reliant upon the gifts that you give Sunday after Sunday so they can continue to do their jobs. I've got some Lydia's. I've got a main Lydia. She's in the other room right now. She's my camera person. She's my partner in ministry. My wife is a Lydia. She is prone to, to making sure that I have everything that I need to continue in ministry. I've got Mother, my mother-in-law, who's out there right now watching. I've got sisters. I've got one sister down in um, Baton Rouge who, if she thinks that I don't have something, she's going to reach into her pennies and she's going to send an envelope to me and she's going to tell me, look, this is for you. I don't ask her for it. Sometimes she just tells me stuff that recently she told me, Go buy yourself some cologne. And I'm like, some cologne? Yeah, I want you to buy yourself some cologne. Now, I don't know if somebody told her I stunk, I was stinking or something. I don't know. And I'm just joking now when I say that. But they make sure, I have people all around that make sure 
that I am equipped to do the work of ministry. And I bless God for Lydia. As a matter of fact, at the end of after we get through with this tonight, we're gonna we're gonna pray that God would bless all those Lydias out there. And I got some male Lydias out there who call me Deacon Cleophas Glover will call me on a regular basis to make sure that everything is going well. I've got a pastor, Pastor C. W. Hobson, who prays for me every day to make sure that I'm completing the mission that God has sent me on. Lydia's are important in ministry. And so just like Paul found his Lydia, I've got a bunch of Lydia's, and I praise God for all of you. And if you are a Lydia, if you are a person out there who, who is supporting your pastor, who's supporting uh, missionaries, who's supporting, and it's not just uh, financial support, it's, it's the physical support, it's the, it's the encouragement that you give. Those Lydia's are so important. Supporting them in prayer. Oh, man, you, could, you wouldn't believe. This Lydia who we're introduced to becomes integral in Paul's continuing to spread the gospel. And these Lydia's that are supporting uh, missionaries, ministers, preachers, and teachers all over the uh, prophets who are supporting all over the place, let me tell you, you are very, very important. And we bless God for you. So, we want to keep going. So, now, verse 16. And I've got, yeah, I can get into that. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune teller. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Does this remind you of something? See, the same thing that Jesus did, the same encounters that Jesus had, because demons recognize this Christ. Demons will recognize the spirit of Christ within us. And so they, she begins to testify. She begins to testify. And it's just annoying because you know, her testimony is true, but it's probably happening and disrupting the witness. And not only that, but Paul recognizes that this girl who is demonically possessed is in bondage. And so what he does is, he, by the power of Jesus, he releases her from the bondage. And it came out that very hour. Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, let me stop for a second. You do know, you do know that demons have powers. Do you do know that? Oh yeah, they do. There's, I've seen some stuff in my time that that make that. Oh yes, they do, and they are they have power over those who allow them 
to enter in and take control. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept a practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Stop for a second. So, Paul and Silas do a work by the power of the Holy Spirit. They release that girl from the bondage of a demon. And for the, the reward for that was they are jailed. They are bound by man. They are put in prison. They are beaten. And they tell this jailer that if, that basically, you're in charge of them. Now, we saw what happened earlier in Acts when Peter got away, how they killed those guards. This Philippian jailer understands, and you've got to go into this with the understanding of this, that if Paul gets away, if Silas gets away, it's going to cost him his life. So, look at the reaction of Paul and Silas to all that happened to them. They didn't have a pity party. Now, they just got beat. And I'm telling you, they got a beat down. It wasn't just, you know, somebody came up and slapped them or anything like that. No, this was a vicious beating that Paul and Silas took. And why did they take it? Because they was messing, they was it, the truth was messing with somebody's money. She wasn't able to perform anymore. It was Paul and Silas's fault. They got to get gone. So they beat them, and they put them in jail. And rather than Paul and Silas start crying, what do they do? They begin to worship. It, it, specifically, what does it say? They were praying and singing hymns to God, they continued to minister to God. They didn't sing. They didn't say, "Oh, woe is me," or "Oh, God, look at how you you got us into this, and and you said you'd be with us and never forsake us." No, they worshipped. And when when you you have to understand that worship is your response to every situation. Because when you're worshiping God, you're telling God, God, you're greater than all of this. You are the great I am. 
no matter what we're going through, you're still God. You're still Lord. You're still in control. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but you're still God, and I praise you, and I worship you, and I bless your name. I'm trying to see what time. Oh, I'm, I've got good time. I'm still in time. I'm trying to see what time it was because I don't want to go over. So as they're worshiping, what happens? God interrupts everything. And I believe that he was interrupting them, not just in response to their worship, but also because God had a plan for an individual. God had plans for an individual in that place. Do you know that God will go through to great lengths to make himself known throughout the earth? That when he does something, he's not just doing it to 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 show how powerful he is, but he's doing it to show himself. He's already done one thing in Philippi to show himself. He's given the word of witness showing himself, but now he's going to show himself and his power by responding to worship and shaking up the place. Now I'm sure you if you if you've been a saint any length of time you've heard this preached as the jailhouse rock I won't go into that but I want I want you to see what he's going to do and why he does it verse 26 and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Remember, we talked about what the requirements of salvation was, and what did we say? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and all your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Look at the power of God. The power of God is on display for salvation to confirm his message. To confirm the witness of Paul and Silas. You know, we don't see enough of that today, God confirming his message, because oftentimes the message has been misdirected. And then there are times when, and when I say misdirected, I mean the message is be, being given in the wrong place, because somebody's not following the Spirit of God. But when you follow the Spirit of God, 
these signs shall follow them that believe. So the, the jailer gets saved. And I want to finish this chapter tonight, so I'm going I'm to rush, uh, rush on, okay, because there's a lot that I could say about this. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. What do we learn from this? First of all, we learn that that they had been beaten and taken illegally. It was unlawful for you to touch or jail a Roman citizen, a trial. And what they had done was they had jailed and beaten Roman citizens without a trial. And they recognized that they were in trouble for doing it. And Paul and Silas demanded, they demanded, they said, uh-uh, oh, no, 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 no. You can't get away with this. You can't treat us like this. You're just going to let us go now because now you found out that you beat us on some trumped-up charges? And not only did you beat us, but we are Roman citizens? Now, some bad things could have happened to those people in Philippi. Because they, those magistrates and those and the people that participated in that, they could have been hauled before the courts, and they could have been beaten themselves. So they want to sweep this thing under the carpet. And he said, "No." He said, "You beat me publicly, and you jail me publicly. You're gonna come get me, and you're gonna march me through this city. And no, I'm not leaving until I'm ready." And so then they go, and. They, get, they bring no apologies, and they get a chance to go, and they get a chance to visit with Lydia to encourage them in their faith, and they leave when they're ready to leave. That's the power of God on display. You see, God will take a situation where you think that you, where, where everybody thinks that you're powerless. God will take that situation, and he will show his power, first of all, and then he will uphold you with his strong right hand, his hand of power. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the coming of his glory. That's something that, you know, when we're traveling, when we're, when we're uh, spreading the word, we're never alone. God is with us. And God's power is there, and he is going to allow certain things to happen and other things he is not going to tolerate at all. Expect it. Expect it. 
Sometimes you're going to go through abuse. Jesus said it to himself. He said, if they've treated me this way, you can expect the same. But then he says this, but he says, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. And that's what I say to you tonight. Be of good courage, even as you're witnessing, even as people are laughing at you, even as people thinking and saying bad stuff about you, even as the devil concentrates all of his forces against you. Be of good courage. Jesus overcame, and we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Well, that's all I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to stop, but I do want to pray. We'll be on Acts chapter 17 next week, and I do want to pray because I want to pray a blessing for all of the Lydia's out there. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for those who I like to call Lydia's, those who are engaged in the ministry of helps. These are the people, God, who, whose names are rarely ever called publicly, who each week put money in baskets and sacrifice of their wealth to make sure that folk like me are able to continue to do your work. God, I know that you're already blessing them. God, but I want you to encourage them tonight. I want you to encourage them in a special way. First of all, God, I would ask that you would visit them with a well done, that you would speak to them, speak words into their lives, and to let them know that you know of their service to the body. Secondly, God, I would ask that you would bless them. I ask, first of all, that you bless their health. I ask that you would give them supernatural health that no matter what stage of life that they're in, that every doctor's appointment is one that says, you're doing great, keep going. That if all of their vital signs are always in order, God, then I ask that you would bless whatever profession that they're in, whatever their hands touch, I pray that you would cause it to prosper. I pray, Father, that their reputations would prosper, that their legacies would grow, that the things that they're doing to produce fruit in your kingdom would be multiplied throughout their families, that you would answer their prayers, especially the prayers that they pray for their loved ones to be saved, that, oh God, that you would penetrate the, the hearts of those people that they're praying for and that you would cause them to know you and to come unto you. Oh, God, just like you saved that Philippian jailer's household, just like you saved Lydia's household, we pray that you would save the households of all the Lydia's out there. Oh, God, we bless you and we thank you and we praise you. You are so good. You are so kind. And we thank you that we can ask you for these things and that we know that you'll grant our petitions. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now,
One more thing that I want to say to all you, to, to you Lydia's out there. Um, you know, you've never seen me ask anybody for any money or anything like that or take up an offering. And, you know, we do work hard uh, in the ministry. And I'm not taking up an offering right now. But I am asking you for something. You know what I'm asking you to do? I'm asking you to help me get the word out. Not only about this Bible study, but the daily appointments with the Lord. Now I've got a um, I've got a YouTube channel that I'm sending out daily appointments Monday through Friday, and sometimes I get a little bit discouraged because I probably put in about oh easily twenty five, maybe even thirty hours, maybe forty hours a week putting together the Bible study, the daily appointments with the Lord, and we get very little response from them. And I need you to help me spread this word by pointing people toward the YouTube channel, by sharing the daily appointments as I share them, as well as sharing this Bible study. That's what I want y'all to do. That's the offering that I want. I just my goal is to spread the word of God. I want I'm after something. I'm after spreading this word of God, and when it's all over, I want the Lord to say, look, you did your best, well done. You followed my word, you spread my word, well done. That's what I'm really after. And so will you help me? Uh, when you see them pop up on the, on, uh, in the mornings or on your feed, will you share them? I really would appreciate that because, again, this is all about kingdom building. And that's what I'm all about, kingdom building. Well, that's all I have for you tonight. You be blessed and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Bye-bye.